Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. So we're starting this new series entitled Delivered. And what Joni just sang in a powerful song, by the way, the, the one lyric that I hung on to is that, that the word fits so much better this way. I'm sure I messed up the lyric a little bit, but Jesus had a way of doing it that was so much better than we would have done it. And that's what we're going to look at today is how, how Jesus was delivered to us in the form of grace. He literally was grace and how that, that delivery happened, but it was so important the way that it did happen because it was unique. It was different. It was special. It was without true fanfare, though we're we're given the fanfare in Scripture, but I want to take you to a part of Scripture where we find kind of the backstory to how Jesus was delivered to us. For me, many times deliveries do not go our way. Uh, anybody make it to the parade? Did you see Jesse in the parade? Okay to talk. <laughs> we uh, so Jesse made a uh, an awesome float and and in brilliant terms he put Logan one of our student interns on the back was he dressed as Jesus yeah. dressed as Jesus where's Logan way up there Logan had I been smart I would have had you put on your Jesus outfit and your UPS outfit but I forgot and so Logan's out there in the back of the trailer knocking on a door with a, with a, a dolly and, uh, and the manger uh, all wrapped up because, you know, the delivery of the manger. I, uh, I, I want to look today at the way Jesus delivered himself to us because it's kind of fascinating when you look at it, um, when you think about the whole backstory of of what happened. I, in my own right, uh, you heard of Amazon Prime, by the way? I think I'm getting a delivery today. That's good. Have any of you tried Amazon Key? Okay, so Amazon Key is where they drive up to your driveway and they, they literally, they will bring it either inside your home or inside your garage. And so I am a geek when it comes to smart home stuff. It's like my goal is to not have one light bulb that, that works by a switch. I want them to just all come on when I walk in the room. And uh, for the most part, that happens. It usually happens when I'm not home, it breaks down. And Michelle texts me and says, I'm in the dark and I can't watch TV. Please turn on the lights. But uh, all that said, I found out that Amazon Key was available in my neighborhood. And so I have uh, Wi-Fi garage door openers. And so they will come, open my garage leave my present in there. Everything from Amazon is a gift, right? You don't pay for it. And so leave my gift in the garage and go away, and then my cameras will record them doing it. And so I am giddy, is all get out, like a little kid. The day came, and by the way, I got a $30 gift certificate for doing this, for signing up. That was the advantage. Unfortunately, I accidentally ordered something for the church in the discount went to the church, and I don't know how to like get my discount back. It seems wrong. You know, it seems like you just give the church the 30 bucks. But so 
I'm waiting. Here's the day that my item is arriving. And the only bummer is, is that I'm home. And I was working in the garage. And so I had the garage door up. And then I saw, you know, I got the alert from the Amazon truck. And so I'm trying to scramble around. And I'm going to do my best. I'm going to shut my garage and pretend like I'm not here so that I can watch this whole thing happen because this is cool. It all failed. I couldn't get my garage shut in time. He pulls up in my driveway. And so there's this awkward moment between Milt and the delivery man. And so this dude walks up my driveway, and I'm just staring at him. He goes, he goes well, I, I got to do the key thing. And I go, well, I don't know what to do. Can you show me the gift? He goes, I don't think I can. He goes, I have to open your garage. And so he starts piddling with his phone, and then the garage won't open. It goes offline in a fantastic way. And then I go, you know, it does that a lot. And then I start talking to him about that, and then I realize he's not technical support for Amazon or my garage. And so I bail out of that so I'm not the old guy. And then, then we're talking, and he just gives me the, the package, and we kind of look at each other. He goes, he goes, dude, I got a problem. He goes, like, I can't leave until I open and close your garage. And I go, I don't know what to tell you. And so, like, we're just standing there awkwardly, and I'm about to do the just, you know, kind of walk off with the package, you know. It's like, man, I don't care. That's your job over here. I don't know. And he finally, he just takes a picture of me and gets in his Amazon truck and goes away. But so, nothing went how I would have expected. I'm still waiting for the day. I'm going to be like a little kid behind the bushes waiting for the day that my Amazon key actually works. And when it does, I'll send all of you a picture of uh, the dude dropping something off in my garage. Jesus wasn't delivered in the way that we would expect. We're going to look at four different words over the next four weeks. Grace, truth, love, and hope. And each of these words are interconnected. You cannot have one without the other. You, uh, when we look at grace today, uh, uh, Daniel's going to come up next week and he's going to talk to us about truth. And the reality is, if you don't have truth, absolute truth, then there is no need or purpose for grace because you're, there, there is no grace. If, if you don't have uh, love, grace doesn't happen either. And so you have this intertwined thing of grace, truth, love, and, uh, and Seth is going to come up and talk to us about uh, love, and then Jesse's going to end up with hope uh, the few days after Christmas, and and the reality is, without grace, without truth, without love, there is no hope. And so all these things were delivered to us in incredible form. But I want to ask the question, why did God deliver His Son the way He did? Why did He deliver His Son the way He did? Here's the story we know, Luke chapter 2. Some of you will read it. He says, you will find a baby, and this is a New Living Translation, I kind of like the way it says it, uh, because you just kind of have to say it in a weird way. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. That verse alone has caused our world to look at the delivery of Christ as a baby. If... If you remember the story, we certainly can't show a clip from it, but the sweet baby Jesus, Ricky Bobby. You know, it's like the, the world has, has minimized the gift of Christ 
down to a baby in a manger. And the fear is, is that we as Christ followers can do the same thing. There's a different account that you have to add to this account. There's nothing wrong with the actual account in Luke. But I want to look at the account in John. Because something happens when Jesus is delivered to us. Jesus has lessened himself. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. Uh, you don't have to turn there yet. We're going to be in John the rest of the time. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, this is important when you understand what Jesus actually did. It says, he gave up his divine privileges. And so Jesus lessened himself. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus was fully God and made a choice to lessen himself for us to deliver a gift of grace. Our natural bent is to make ourselves bigger, not lesser. We all do it. Uh, if you play the game, If I Were God, you know... When I was delivered, there would be no snuggly strips of cloth. There would be a big white horse, a gold chariot, flames, and probably a theme song, right? And so it, God didn't do it that way. God came almost silently. If we read in Scripture, we see that there was a host of angels and all that, but consider the audience. Consider the audience. It was shepherds. Average normal people of the day. It was not that many. It was in a remote area. And it was just kind of like one of those silent local celebrations that was huge. That if you could have been, if you could have been there, it would have been awesome. But he didn't gather everybody there. I remember from my kid's birth, man, we had the whole family out in the waiting, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and when Jesus came. It was a small celebration, but the celebration was really up in heaven for us to watch. And it's a fascinating thing where Jesus did it small. I would have done it big. It's my bent. When Jesus came to earth, where did he live? He lived on a common street with a normal family. If we're honest with ourselves, where would we live? Man, I'd be up on the highest like, peak in my little town, and frankly, none of you would know where it's at. And it's, it's just, Jesus did it so different, being the king of kings, being God, being the son of God, he did it in a very, very kind of almost a sly way. We would have lived like royalty. He grew up in a carpenter's family. In fact, his life verse, if he had one, he said, the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. Let's pray and consider why God was delivered to us in that way. Father, we love you. I pray that you would open our ears to what you want to uh, tell us today. Father, I pray that you would remove my words, my thoughts, Lord, my actions, and Lord, may your word be clear uh, this morning regardless of of who I am. 
And Lord, I pray that, uh, that your word would just be made clear to us. And Father, that we'd have a new understanding and, and a complete understanding of your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, amen. So, why did Jesus do that? Here's my quick answer for it. So, why did Jesus come in the form of a baby? Here's, here's what I believe is the main point of that. is He did that so that he could deliver his gift personally to us. It is a very personal gift that Jesus has for us in the form of salvation. If he would have brought it in great fanfare and flames in a great chariot with a theme song like I would have done it, then it wouldn't be personal. And so while salvation and grace is available and offered to all, it is a very personal gift that we have to accept. Some of you have an Amazon package sitting on your porch right now. Or if you're lucky enough, they opened your garage and put it right inside and took a picture of it. But it's not really yours until you reach down, you grab it, and you open it up, and you say, well, I don't know what I was doing last night. Why did I order this? But for the gift with Jesus, it's personal, and it's a gift He has already delivered to us. And so He delivered it in the way that He did because it is a personal gift to you. It's a personal gift to me. Though we're here as a group today and we celebrate it, we're in church, it has very little to do with the personal invitation that God sends our way. We come together as a group to, to celebrate what God did for each of us as individuals personally. And that personal, personal gift. So the big idea for today is a bit simple. And actually, I heard it yesterday at a funeral. Uh, Pastor Larry, I don't know if you know Pastor Larry in church. He does uh, benevolence and outreach and care. And he's that dude that walks around, you know, every ver really everything that comes out of his mouth is like the King James Version. You know, the version that, you know, thou shalt and thou this. He, just the way he speaks, it's good. And he made a comment just on the side at this funeral. And he told people, he goes, you don't go to heaven based on what God Nope, got it wrong. You don't go to heaven based on what you do for God. You go to heaven based on what He did for you. And that's important. You don't go to heaven based on what you do for God. You go to heaven based on what He did for you. And then it comes back to that very personal, personal invitation that God gave. Claiborne and I were talking the other day about uh, just the topic of grace, the topic of Christmas. We're kind of heading into this Christmas time. Uh, next Sunday, we've got the... I always get all the C's wrong. No, cookies, coffee, carols. What's the other one, Jesse? Did I get them all? Oh, I got them all. Okay, good. Uh, I, I usually leave out cookies, which ironically, <laughs> it's my favorite. But think about Christmas. What do we do at Christmas? We decorate. And then... If you think about Easter, if we compare the two, so, so Christmas is a celebration of Christ's birth, right? While Easter is, we usually don't lump in celebration, it's more of an observance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so we kind of we take that word and we think of Christmas, we think of decoration or decorate, when we think of Easter, it's more of reflect 
or reflection. And what ends up happening is, is that we end up celebrating Christmas, but observing Easter. Christmas is the celebration of God's birth. Easter, we observe or we reflect worship, Christ's death and resurrection. And what I want to do today is not to make Christmas no fun, but I want to make Christmas worship in your family, in your home, in your mind, in your heart. It's more than just decorations. It is an observance. It is a worshipful experience of what Jesus has done for us. So I want to make sure that we worship and are thankful for the gift that is coming and not just be about decorations. When we look at the Christmas story in the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew and Luke, they lay it out. They kind of give you the story, you know, riding the donkey, the nativity, and all that. Matthew gives a lot of history on the genealogy of Christ. Uh, Mark, he doesn't give us the story. Mark just starts the story right basically when Jesus is launching into ministry. So he's kind of a, a young man at that time or an older, older young adult at that time. John is where we're going to head the next three weeks, four weeks. And he is the one that has this... Uh, when he writes, he has more of an insight, I think, into the heavenly experience of Christmas rather than the earthly experience of Christmas. Uh, John is uh, the one who gave us revelation. Uh, he had uh, visions, literally, of heaven that God gave him that he pinned down, wrote for us so that we can have a glimpse and insight into end times, into heaven. And so this same John, he gives us the kind of the insider story of the Christmas story. And so turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1, or uh, look on your device or on you version. But uh, what we have here is John is going to leave out the nativity. He's going to leave out Mary and Joseph. He's going to leave out the manger. He's going to leave out, you know, the sheep and all that. And he goes and basically takes the perspective of what is happening in heaven. And he literally goes back before time. And so before time even existed, here's where the Christmas story starts. John 1, uh, verse 1, and we'll, we'll kind of read through to verse 14. Verse 14 will be our key verse. But uh, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Later on in that chapter, and we'll read it, uh, the Word is clearly defined as Jesus Christ. The, the Greek word, or the word translated as word, is logos. And it's an interesting word because we really don't have that type of word in our English language that they have in the Greek language. The word logos is it, it's almost embodiment, it is an account, and so it's not like a, a, a written word. Uh, it also can sometimes be confused as like the Word of God, you know, like the Scripture. I think that's an okay translation, but it's more than that. It's, it's the account of God. It's the Word. It's the expression of God. It's the embodiment of God. It is why God is God, and it all culminates in 
Jesus Christ. And again, there is no one word in our language that can truly express it because it is this full embodiment of God that is in Jesus Christ. For our purposes, we learn the entire reason that God sent His Son to us. It is the story of Jesus. It, it is the story of who God is. And so the story of all that, everything we are to understand about God, is in the Word, which is Jesus Christ. And so we're before time, before creation, before Jesus was. It is He was there. Verse 3, God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And so, while we might think of Jesus as being born in a manger, we must always remember that was His humanly, earthly form. Jesus is the Word. Jesus has always been, always has been. He's not a created being. He is God. And so literally participating in creation. And so the embodiment of God came down to us in the form of a baby who grew up to be a man that died on a cross to save us for our sins. And so when we think about this delivery we need to remember it's not a baby child that is so cute. It is the embodiment of God that he gave to a family to protect and to nurture until he became his own man, which happened at about 12 years old or earlier. And so it's this amazing, amazing thing that is so much more than the world gives it. He came into the very world he created, verse 10, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Speaking of the religious rulers, uh, those trained, those teaching the scriptures, those that prophesied about the coming of a Messiah, they missed it. Verse 12, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And here's our key verse. John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm going to read it out of the New American Standard. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the expression. Word. Expression. The embodiment of God. The Word, the expression of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Daniel's going to talk to us about truth because there is no grace without truth. I want to talk to you about grace today. Grace, uh, simply or difficultly defined, is unmerited mercy or favor that God gave to humanity by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, thus securing eternal salvation from sin. Simpler put, getting something we do not deserve getting something we do not deserve, remember, we, let me read my big idea exactly, because I want to quote Pastor Larry very well. Um, you don't get to heaven based on what you do for God. We get to heaven based on what He did 
for us. Incredibly important. So grace is this getting something we do not deserve. I, uh, I often will say, and I kind of like this comment because it makes people just a little bit angry and a little bit uncomfortable, but, uh, but we hear the term often and we put it in our yards, we put it on our, our, uh, our Christmas cards, and it says, Jesus is the reason for the season. And I find ways every year to talk about it because it makes you think that when I say it like this, Jesus is not the reason for the season. Dwell on that for a bit. Jesus is not the reason for the season. Here's why. Jesus was delivered, God delivered, his son Jesus for us. A gift has been given. The gift was not given to God. The gift was given to you. And so Jesus is not the reason for the season, though he is quite integral. You are the reason for the season. I am the reason for the season. Yes, when we celebrate Christmas, it's fair to say that Jesus is our reason that we celebrate. Jesus is our reason. But when it comes to God, his reason for this entire season is you and me. Because he delivered a gift that is specifically for you. If it were for him, he would have had a white horse, flames, and a theme song. No doubt about it. But it wasn't for him. He came in a very personal way for you and for me. And so he didn't come for himself. He came for us. And so when we look at this gift, Here's what I want to describe. It is a gift that has already been delivered. And I want to take a little time today. We uh, sometimes make way too huge of an assumption that everybody in our church, everybody in our room is Christ followers. And the reality is that that's not necessarily true. Because maybe you made a corporate or a right decision as a family or, 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 or just as a person in Magnolia or a member of the church or, or you, you come to resonate every time, you come to everything we do here, you come on Wednesday nights, and so maybe you just came. But there's a reality is that Jesus has offered a gift that is very personal that until you accept that gift, it's not yours. It's a free gift. But again, if I've got an Amazon package on my doorstep, better yet, probably the better illustration is a gift under the tree. You know, Christmas morning, there's going to be a gift under my tree previously delivered by Amazon. And until I walk over to that tree and I take the gift and open it, it's not mine. And so I want to go to just straight-up basics today. When we say that you don't get to heaven based on what you do for God, but we get to heaven based on what God did for us, the ultimate question of the day is, have you, did you, will you accept the gift that God has given? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and I want you to reflect not on the person next to you, 
but yourself and just ask you, is your gift still in waiting? Or have you received that gift? Are you crazy enough to think that you're earning salvation by what you do? And will you be humble enough to realize that we get to heaven based on what he did and has already given? And then will you realize it's not just about a ticket to heaven, but it's about a relationship with a God that loves you. I want to read a verse that you know, and again, I want you to examine in your own heart if you've opened the gift. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. I want to give you an opportunity right now that if you have never accepted the gift of Jesus, I just want to ask you if you'd do it today. I'm not going to highlight you. I'm not going to embarrass you. There's going to be a, uh, a, a number on the screen and asking you to text believe to a number if you would do this or if you want to talk more about this. But just in the quietness of the moment, here we are, you know, about three or so weeks away from Christmas. Will you accept the gift and make this the Christmas that you enter into the Christmas season as a Christ follower and not just an observer of the Christmas season celebrating what everybody celebrates? There's a simple prayer. It's not a magic prayer. The words don't matter. It's your heart that matters. And, and to make it so simple, if you will just pray to God and say, God, I accept you. Will you save me? I want to enter into a relationship with you. I would beg you, if you never have, to just pray that prayer. And here's the funny thing, thing is that there's not going to be any fanfare. There's not going to be a uh, theme song, a white horse, or a golden chariot. What will happen in your heart that I would guarantee you is that if your heartbeat is raised right now, your heartbeat will likely lower. There will be a peace that comes over you. There will be a time that you will realize that I have finally done what I've known I've needed to do for a long time is just stop and hand it over to Christ. Father, I love you. And Father, just as we close, I pray that, Lord, you would, Lord, just speak to hearts right now. If there's someone still uh, struggling with that, Lord, I know there's a lot of Christ followers in this room right now praying for uh, others in the room. And, Lord, I pray that you would just give a complete feeling of discomfort and anxiousness to the one, Lord, who hasn't yet opened your gift. Father, I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's you knocking at the door. It's you begging them to just release their life to you. And Lord, I pray that with their heart, they would just believe in you and tell you that right now. And then, Lord, I pray that you would send an overwhelming calm over the one who would pray that prayer and accept you. And Father, we just 
give you today, and I pray that, Lord, you would build this group, build this church, and may we become more and more like you. We thank you for your grace because we know that we do not deserve it. Lord, we ask all this in your precious name of Jesus. Amen.